I'm here in person with Stephanie Secord, who has been the Director of Marketing at the Strawberry Bank Museum, located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, for the past five years. Is that right? Um, thank you for taking the time to meet with me. Uh, I love living museums, and I'm so happy to read that this type of museum has been surviving the recession of 2009. Um, my aunt used to be the sign maker at, um, Old, at Old Storbridge Village, so I kind of lived through the troubles of a living museum with her, um, but luckily they're pulling through as well. Um, this museum has become a strong cultural asset to the community, so it's important that that you have a, a strong footing, so it's great for everyone, not just people within the museum, of course. Um, I understand you have a diverse marketing background outside of the museum sector. Can you tell me about your background and your early social media outreach, most likely in a role before you joined the museum staff here at Strawberry Bank? So I've been doing um, marketing, mostly media relations, PR, since... 1975 when I graduated from college. Didn't really know what PR was when I graduated, although I was leaning towards journalism. I'm a history and art history major, and I was the editor of the weekly newspaper. So when I got out of college, I started a weekly newspaper in my hometown in Massachusetts and then started to work for the second biggest ad agency in Boston. Um, Ingalls Advertising and PR um, in the PR division, so I kind of learned by doing. But in particular, I joined them as a, um, an assistant account executive working on employee newspapers, so mm -hmm. it was a direct correlation to the, the practical experience I had, even though it was a liberal arts college, although I, d I do firmly believe that you do better getting a liberal arts degree so you have ideas, perspective, context, mm -hmm. rather than a journalism degree because in order to write you need to know you what you're talking You need to be worldly, about. yes. Yeah, exactly. So I was with the ad agency for seven years working on a variety of consumer and business-to-business -business accounts. Um, at the time, their department stores was open, discount department store. TJ Maxx was a new division that had mm -hmm. just been formed. I remember sitting in Ben Cameron's office talking about TJ Maxx. So, so a real mix of um, retail, banking, and um, we handled the Acorn Structures solar account. So mm -hmm. wide range of consumer and um, employee communications. Mm -hmm. All for profit, it sounds like. Yes, mm -hmm. all for profit, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I have been in the corporate world most of my professional life. Um, then I went to work for um, the National Fire Protection Association. I've heard of them, one. yes. Yeah, they're in the South Shore. They're in Quincy. Mm -hmm. They had just opened their new building. Mm -hmm. um, I was involved somewhat in the, the annual report writing, uh, marketing in terms of visitation to the, the actual building, because they had a collection of, of antique fire trucks. And oh, like a, like a small like corporate museum. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I decided to go out on my own doing freelance work. 
and I was contacted by a former client from Ingalls Advertising who was now with a small agency working on the Parker House Hotel in Boston, oldest continuously operated hotel in America. And that's when I found the marriage of my history and art history background mm -hmm. and marketing. Mm -hmm. So I've really specialized in travel and tourism since mm -hmm. then. And that's that's how I see my role here at Strawberry Bank. Mm -hmm. um, more so than the traditional business, uh, sorry, traditional museum world, because yes. I don't have a museum background. Well, it's not unusual for the marketing department within museums to not have the museum right. background, you know, as well as usually financial departments, of course. Right. There's certain certain sections within the museum that it's just not advantageous. There's no reason. Right. You know. And, and their, their practical skills as well as philosophical ways of looking at um, yeah. So... From, I spent a few years as an independent contractor, essentially, um, media relations, PR, in the old paper days, long mm -hmm. before the internet, or social media had even been thought of. And then I had done some special events for the Parker House. And at that point, in particular, I'd done a, a children's um, etiquette course mm -hmm. with a woman who used to do a, a children's radio show for WGBH in Boston. And an opening came up with Omni Hotels Corporate, which then was Omni Dunphy Hotels and was based in Hampton, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. They had just merged with the original three Omnis that were in Atlanta, New York, and Miami or Atlanta, Atlanta, Norfolk, and Miami, um, Norfolk, Virginia. So I spent the next seven years as the assistant advertising manager directly responsible for the frequent travel program. Oh. So I was doing some PR, media relations, again, working in particular with trade publications, some consumer, um, but mostly the internal sales and marketing organization. I did the employee newspaper for them, did a lot of special events for employees. Mm -hmm. It was really the beginning of the total quality management movement, yep. so we were doing a lot of, of that. Um, and then for a variety of, of corporate cultural reasons, I decided to go back to freelance. Mm -hmm. So in 92, I left Omni, and shortly thereafter, the company was bought by a Texas organization, and they're now based in Corpus Christi. Um, almost went to Hong Kong. We were When I was there, we were owned by a Hong Kong company. Oh, really? And, and uh, you were going to go stay with the company and go to Hong Kong? I was going to... The woman who was handling PR in Hong Kong was leaving to go back to London. Mm -hmm. And I suggested to the president of Omni Hotels North America that wouldn't it be useful to have somebody from our team, sort of, yeah. in Hong Kong? And mm -hmm. he thought that was a great idea. Yeah. Um, my husband, who had lengthy experience in Southeast Asia, thought I was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> said, whatever, we'll see what happens. But of course, the Hong Kong business culture doesn't announce things like their PR person is leaving without already having a plan in place. 
Yes. Uh, so see. the opening wasn't really an opening. Uh, um, and I look at the, the climate of Hong Kong sometimes and think, maybe it's just as well. Yeah. It yeah it's very hot, right? Yeah. yeah. Hot, humid. Yes. Yeah, I have friends so. in Bangkok. They love it. They yeah. absolutely well, love it. Well, you adapt, I'm yes. sure. Yeah. Right? So in any event, um, went back to freelancing and um, basically have been doing that ever since. I'm actually a consultant to Strawberry Bank. I am their full-time director mm-hmm. of marketing, yep. but I am a contractor. Now. I see. So I do some work for a couple of other hotels. Partly, I have to say, for sentimental reasons, I started working with the Wentworth by the Sea mm-hmm. when they reopened or were about to reopen in 2002. Uh, before it's, the Marriott? It's, they actually they aren't owned by Marriott. Oh, they they are owned by a local family. A man, yes. And they have a Marriott franchise, and ah, the I company see. has the largest number of Marriott franchises in North America. They ah. have 140 hotels, all of which they own yep. outright, but they have the but Marriott they carry the Marriott name right, mm-hmm. for marketing purposes. Mm-hmm. So. Still being in love with historic hotels, I, that I still do some work for. Well, I can I, see a lot of overlap. Yeah, between. and and there there are so many marketing opportunities in terms, especially in terms of special events mm-hmm. or um, some cross promotion to guests. It it makes perfect sense to market Strawberry Bank's Vintage and Vine oh, Festival yes. yeah. to the customers of Wentworth's Wine Festival in January. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so I do that. So um, in the last, let's see, from, where are we now? I never remember when exactly I was working with the New Hampshire Division of Tourism, but I was the PR agency of record mm-hmm. for New Hampshire Tourism for about five years. Um, and I would say that was probably right before... I came here, mm-hmm. um, and I also got very involved and continue to be involved and link Strawberry Bank where I can in um, nonprofit um, volunteer situations. Mm-hmm. First of them was the celebration of the hundredth anniversary of the Portsmouth Peace Treaty mm-hmm. in two thousand five. Yep, which is a fascinating and unique piece of history for Portsmouth um, has the great idea that ordinary people can make a difference and did yes. then. And where it was such a local, it was yeah. probably the biggest world event for this Absolutely. area to influence history. Absolutely. So um, got involved in that, met a number of people because the celebration involved 45 different organizations, mm-hmm. nonprofits almost entirely in Portsmouth. So I got to know the people and the dynamics. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the chief elements of that um, was the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard because Mm -hmm. the negotiations took place there. So I got to be friends with the public affairs people, which then led to my doing the, the PR marketing for the 2008 commissioning of the USS New Hampshire mm-hmm. nuclear submarine. submarine. yeah. So I was involved in that. And then more recently, kind of overlapping, because it took us a long time, I was on the volunteer fundraising committee for the African Burying Ground. Mm-hmm. 
which took with George 12 Carlyle. years to make happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. George and Vernus Jackson, who mm-hmm. was on the, the uh, Peace Treaty Committee, um, the music hall was involved. And over the, the way Portsmouth works, from a marketing perspective, this community engagement perspective, is it's a small place, so everybody knows everybody else. Yes. And it's a very collaborative environment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a joy for marketing to mm-hmm. have because what you're looking for everywhere else is how you find partners, mm-hmm. how you share the attraction event holiday with other partners mm-hmm. to draw visitors for more than just what you're doing. Yes, that's really the secret. It's all in collaborations. Always. Especially during the se- during the holiday seasons I notice in Portsmouth I see evidence of a lot of collaborations that you're So we started in. ten years ago we started Vintage Christmas in Portsmouth, mm-hmm. um, which is a citywide celebration and the two anchors for that are Strawberry Bank and the Music Club. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea was that once once Columbus Day was over, visitation to Portsmouth as a as a destination really dropped off. Yeah. So in the first two years of Vintage Christmas, we increased the hotel occupancy by ten percentage points. Wow, during that slow years. period. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. it it was fabulous, mm-hmm. um, and now we're recognized at, by USA Today, by Forbes, by mm-hmm. Time, you know, all of the, the kind of consumer influencers as being one of the holiday destinations yes, yep. in America, which yep. is good for all of us. Yes. It sells tickets. Well, the, the, the popularity, too, of Portsmouth as a whole has really yes. exploded, of course, in all magazines they're saying that Portsmouth is the go-to small city in the area. Right. Mm. And you know, thank you to it should, as it partners be. and to the fact that there is a living history, a 10-acre living history yeah. museum with 37 buildings. Yes. Right in the middle of downtown. Mm-hmm. With the neighborhood that echoes it as exactly. well, with the South End. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So, um, can you tell me um, a little bit about Strawberry Bank? What is its mission, its brand, and how that affects your marketing efforts? Strawberry Bank is, as you said, a living history museum. But unlike Colonial Williamsburg or Sturbridge or Mystic Seaport even, we aren't focused on one specific era. Mm-hmm. We're not just revolutionary America. We're not just pre-industrial. We tell the history of Portsmouth mm-hmm. in this neighborhood, in original buildings and gardens, over more than 300 years. So the experience that's portrayed ranges from 1695 to 1954. And they're literally next to each other. The 1695 Sherburn House is next door to the Shapley Drisco House, which is a duplex, half of which is a 1795 shop, and the other half is a 1954 uh, duplex, mm-hmm. post-war, where the, the male of the house is going off to work at the shipyard. Mm-hmm. So we, we tell the story 
the history of those 300 years in a variety of ways. First of which is with the authentic buildings and gardens. Although the buildings are interpreted to the best story, as it were, the big white mansion right on the corner of the parking lot on Hancock Street is the Goodwin Mansion. Mm -hmm. It was actually moved here. It's one of two buildings out of all of them that, that was been moved, moved here. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is on their original foundation. Oh. But um, the Goodwin Mansion was the home of New Hampshire's Civil War governor, Ichabod Goodwin. And it's interpreted to 1872, which is High Victorian. Mm -hmm. It's a federal building. Mm -hmm. It's a very classic, you know, yeah. ionic symmetrical in the front, all yeah. of that. It is by no stretch of the imagination Victorian architecture. No. So we, we do interpret things as they were actually used mm -hmm. and as authentically as we can do that to the era. Some of them, like Goodwin, are inhabited by costume role players mm -hmm. who stay in character and talk about their lives in the time that we're interpreting. Mrs. Goodwin is in her garden. We've recreated her garden. She's passionate mm -hmm. about gardening. I saw it. Yeah, it's beautiful. With the greenhouse. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, so she's usually in her garden. Um, Mrs. Tucker sits outside of Abbott's store, minding the 1943 grocery store mm -hmm. for Mrs. Abbott, who's run down the street to visit a neighbor. <laughs> um, or in that, that shop and house, um, we often have Edie, who is dressed like the poster for, um, for Rosie the Riveter. With her hair tied up. Oh, really? With the bandana? Trousers. Yeah, the bandana, the overalls, the lunch bucket. Yeah. She's terrific. Um, so she's a worker at the shipyard during the war years and mm -hmm. home for lunch. Um, Mrs. Um, Frazier is the daughter of John Stavers in Pitt Tavern. So she's talking about her husband being at sea, trying to maintain the tavern while her father is running his stagecoach business. Um, the conflicts between the loyalists and the, the patriots that took place in her tavern, the patriots tore down So that's down 19th her century. Son. So that's 1776. Mm -hmm. um, oh, 18th century. So those are the costume role players. We have about 10. They change day by day. Mm -hmm. So each day we print a program on the, the map of the site um, that explains who's doing what in mm -hmm. what house. Then we have traditional craft demonstrations or participatory experiences. You can try your hand at a loom. Mm -hmm. um, there's a basket maker. There's a, a cooper making barrels. And Ron is a master cooper. Yes. And has been here for a long time. Um, always ends up having, every time I, I look over at the cooper shop, there are people who clearly have been standing talking to him for mm -hmm. half an hour because he's so personal. Well, it's so interesting to watch that type of skill yeah. that mm -hmm. doesn't exist so really anymore. Mm -hmm. Then we have the garden dimension. We have eight different gardens, also mm -hmm. two different eras from Mrs. Goodwin's flowers to uh, 1943 Victory Garden, Vegetable Garden. Mm -hmm. There's a chicken coop next to that because the neighbor, the, one of the neighbor children in the 
young man in the late 40s, early 50s, kept chickens and geese, so they're authentic chickens. <laughs> they're not animatronic? <laughs> no, they're real chickens. No roosters. The neighbors didn't like roosters. Oh, I love the sound of a rooster. So, um, so the gardens have one of our, our programs, and this starts leading into the marketing dimension, because one of the... the the active programs we have is a seed saving program. Mm-hmm. Our um, curator of historic landscapes, as we call our lead gardener, is very interested in heirloom, brand, heirloom um, apples, vegetables, mm-hmm. flower, flowers. We grow a lot of the flowers, that, the annuals that we put in the Goodwood Garden mm-hmm. in the greenhouse from seeds that we've collected. Mm-hmm. So that's actively involved. Are there traces? Do those seeds trace back centuries? We actually or? found a packet of seeds in the wall when we were restoring, I think, the Shapiro house. Yeah, but they were surely not... Um, you couldn't cultivate them. Yeah, you really? Can. You could cultivate seeds from ancient Egypt. Wow, I didn't know that. Sometimes. Yes. So sometimes it, so, so you got do. enough to work that you were able to get yes. plants, and which then, then... Then we identified plants, mm-hmm. um, annuals in particular, that are, are to the period and grew the gardens from that. Mm-hmm. The two orchards are old orchards that have been there for... Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Fisher, the, the time, a couple hundred years anyway. Um, but they are types of apples that, that fell out of fashion because they're a little, they're harder to grow. The product is a little misshapen. They're yeah. small. They're not wax-covered, delicious apples. Yeah, it's, probably irregularly shaped and yeah, hard to peel. Yeah. As, they, as the, the orchard people say, the granny apple killed the apple um, industry in New England, yeah. but there are so many people bringing them back. Yep. So from there, we, we collaborate with people as one of the ways we partner and then cross-market, especially to unusual or unpredictable, unexpected is the word I want, audiences. We work with the local brewers. We grow hops at the Aldridge House. They mm-hmm. use hops and herbs and some of the fruit from the apple trees in various brews, some of them authentic recipes from the 17th or 18th century, Mm -hmm. others more contemporary ales um, using our ingredients. And last year we partnered with North Country Cider to make hard cider. Ah, So mm -hmm. we harvested all of our apples and... Where are the apple orchards? I'm not familiar where they are. That White House is the Shapiro House mm-hmm. across the campus from the visitor center. And next to that, there, there are apple trees in front of that. Yeah. And then down next to, or actually behind um, the old 1695 Sherburn House, yeah. there's a kitchen garden and an orchard there. Yeah. So those are both heirloom apples. And then across from the 1940s Abbott store, mm-hmm. there's an orchard. Um, and the Piscataqua Garden Club helped us preserve that. Mm-hmm. And we actually also have two beehives in that orchard. Oh, really? Uh, and every year we harvest about 60 pounds of honey, mm-hmm. um, leaving enough for the bees to make it. For the winter. But lucky that yes. we've 
last year was hard on them because it was so open. Yeah. The year we had a lot year before when we had a lot of snow, the bees loved it. Yeah, they were. Contained. Yeah, it's actually warmer for them when they're yeah. impact. So our bees have the benefit of ten acres of our organic our orchards and gardens mm -hmm. in Prescott Park gardens yeah. across. The yeah, lots of lots of flowers. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so um, so the way we present ourselves to the world is that we are a national historic landmark neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We are as authentic to each of the eras we present as we can be. But then we bring the stories alive. It's not so much, although we have a huge following for our decorative arts collection, the furnishings, the interiors of the houses, the wallpaper, all of those niche audiences, just as beer and hard cider are niche younger audiences yes. that yeah. might ordinarily say, what do I care about a history museum? Yeah. Um, we have a very large following of families. Mm -hmm. That is in part driven by the fact that we are one of these sites in New Hampshire that fourth graders come to on field trips. Mm -hmm. So we host 12,000 school children every year. Mm -hmm. wow. And we give each child a postcard that is good for a family visit to come back so they to come Strawberry Bank mm -hmm. for free. And they come back. Mm -hmm. And we get marketing information. We give them the option of opting out. Mm -hmm. I always wonder why people bother to fill out the postcard yeah. and then check, well, check the no Well, it's a box. thank you. It's an appreciation. Yeah. So um, so we we do that and, and market directly to our network of schools who come every year mm -hmm. to, um, to do field trips. We also partner with the Gundalow, which is an independent nonprofit, mm -hmm. so that once you're on the bus coming from Claremont to Portsmouth, you can visit, you could spend a whole day. You could spend the morning at Strawberry Bank, the afternoon at the Gundalow, mm -hmm. and, and trade off because they too are, are interested and mm -hmm. attractive to school groups. Do you know approximately what percentage of, of people use the postcards and actually come back with their families? Um, probably. Given that we have 12,000 school children and maybe we get 500 of the postcards back. Mm -hmm. So it's, I, and I suspect, I can't tell you off the top of my head about the geographic connection, but I suspect that most of those postcards are yeah, within, within the, the area. Yeah, within the area, because that's only area. about 4%. Yeah, I'm surprised. I would certainly, for sure, if my children came home with... Well, then there's the question of whether the postcard ever gets out of the backpack. Yes, true. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yes. At least, at least it's there, and we like being able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and we are very attractive to families. Um, I would say at least half, if not a majority, of our members are family members. Mm -hmm. But then on the, the other dimension, which I focus mostly on, we don't, we don't act, no, I shouldn't say we don't actively market to families because we, so many of our events are family-oriented. In fact, we started a new event last spring during April school vacation. The ba baby, baby animals. animals, yes. Yes. Um, 
I noticed on your social media, it was the baby animals that seemed to have gotten the most yes. likes wow. and Great shares. Yes. yes, and video. There was one video yes. as well. Um, and we do some advertising in Parenting Magazine. We do very, very little paid media, yep. paid advertising. All earned. Um, yeah. Um, but my major charge is getting people through the front door on a daily basis. Yes. I spend a lot of my time marketing all of the special events, mm -hmm. and I firmly believe that uh, that museums, nonprofits in general, must drive their marketing on the shoulders of events and programs mm -hmm. because it gives you another opportunity to be in front of people yes. with a variety of materials, mm -hmm. including Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it also reintroduces the patron who had been here maybe years ago, but decided, I've already been there, and it gives them exactly. a reason to return. And, and one of our messages is very definitely, we're, we're not the place you visited in the fourth grade. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, it's different. Been, there's so much more activity there. I mean, kids have the opportunity to dress up and play historic games. Yeah. Um, Much more engaging. You know, yeah. kind of like how museums with the cabinets of curiosities used to be, where everything was very, you could touch, very stagnant, but right. now it's okay. so much, so hands-on. Right. Have you seen, how have you seen the patron changing through the years? Well, well you haven't been here, but... Yeah, and, and I guess the, the element... Um, and we've just started to do a, an active visitor survey to answer some of those questions because most of the observations are anecdotal. Um, we don't record demographic information when you buy a ticket. We do record zip code, so I know where people are coming from. Yeah. But I don't, there isn't a cross reference right now in mm -hmm. the software. What about through paid that. memberships? You, you we must can, have we some data. So we know what, who are families, where they're coming from, and yes, we do have some data yeah. there. But in terms of the daily visitor, and it varies by season. Mm -hmm. In the summertime, of course, we get more vacation families yeah. from all over the world, but that's, that's the majority of our visitor. But we also get um, active affluent Mm -hmm. um, there, Lifelong learners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a study that says that under a household income of $150,000, the discretionary spending for an attraction like Strawberry Bank is 250 at $150. It's $250 a year. And annually. Below that, you don't have 50 bucks to spend on the family to visit yeah. Strawberry Bank. Um, 50 bucks out of 250 is a Yeah, that's chunk. a lot. So, so looking at the, we, we are pretty solid in terms of the, the family visitation, but the individual, people like me, people who are passionate about history, who have been to other living history museums, who have special interests in an era or in decorative arts or in gardens or in all of the things that we do, they're much harder to reach mm -hmm. um, through certainly through traditional marketing. What we do know is from looking at TripAdvisor reviews, it amazes and delights me that Strawberry Bank Living History Museum is the number one attraction 
in Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. Competing with water country and the mm-hmm. beaches and shopping and <laughs> even the musical. Although we're very we're good friends with the musicals. So yeah, I, I don't yeah. mention that too often, mm-hmm. although they are well aware. But that probably shows how the demographic is changing exactly. because probably I would guess in the eighties I bet water country would have exceeded you, but people are becoming more culturally aware. And what I'm seeing from TripAdvisor and um, Facebook, Twitter, is that people are finding us because I don't have a huge paid marketing budget. Yeah. We're in the New Hampshire Visitor Guide, we're online with the New Hampshire Visitor Information, mm-hmm. with the Chamber, Portsmouth yeah. Chambers, All as um, print media. and online. Um, and I, I do very limited print advertising in New Hampshire Magazine and Yankee because I view them as visitor guides. Yes. And both of those tend to be event-driven. Mm-hmm. So I'll, uh, this year I advertise Baby Animals in New Hampshire Magazine, the new uh, maritime exhibit that opened mm-hmm. in July and our 4th of July events. And Yankee, because there's a, a New Hampshire co-op, I do a small ad for Candlelight Stroll in mm-hmm. December. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I really do think of it as visitor guide Yes, yeah. When I have Yankee Magazine, I always go immediately to the calendar because it's organized so well. You can see exactly what's happening. Are there any groups that you feel, why aren't I connecting with this group? Why aren't these people coming more than they are? I would love for there to be more people like me, individuals who are interested in history. And the challenge is that it's... They're hard to reach. We we ride the shoulders of the chamber's efforts, or, and sometimes they ride my efforts, <laughs> to talk about Portsmouth as a destination. Because Portsmouth is an unbelievable, it's a, it's a distinctive destination in the National Trust. It's a, a um, preservation community from the Federal Department of the Interior. We get great coverage as a destination in the travel and measures. The, the Zagats were just named one of the top foodie cities in New England, and mm-hmm. the new Zagat um, died. I spent a lot of time in using my PR media relations experience on contacts to reinforce Portsmouth as a destination because no travel writer or rarely do travel writers just write about the Strawberry Bank. They'll mm-hmm. write about Portsmouth the area and generally. lead it with the Strawberry Bank. Yep. Um, so I, I work very hard on that to get people who are interested in the kind of destination that we are. A foodie city, I mean, amazing city, as many restaurant seats as citizens. A no sales tax shopping destination with owner-operated galleries and boutiques. Um, great live theater and music, and this 10-acre living history museum right in the middle of a, a 
town that has its own claim to history mm -hmm. going back three years. Plus, it's such a walkable city. You can exactly. park once and see the entire city. You're not moving around. It's an official walkable city. It's a tree city. It's, yeah. it's you know, yeah. check all Seaside. boxes. Yes. <laughs> Cultural. Um, so so I, I really market to that audience with media relations and I mean what I'm what I'm appreciating in social media is that actually Facebook has become more of the medium of choice for that mm -hmm. audience. Mm -hmm. um, the the millennials are younger, Generation Z or whatever we call it yeah. these days. <laughs> are beyond Facebook because mom and dad are on Facebook. Yes, yep, so. they don't want to be trolled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. So, um, do you make do you make this your social media initiatives part of your overall marketing plan? Yes, you absolutely. do. Mm -hmm. Um I do I am the keeper of Facebook because I I don't want a lot of different confusing messages bombarding people to the point that they just Turn yep. Um, so I manage it, although it's fed by all of the departments, and I have a formal um, schedule in that um, we have member Mondays, so I'm using a member membership message. Mm -hmm. TripAdvisor Tuesday is for review. Wednesday is dedicated to an artifact of the week that comes out of the curator's department. Yep, I like the bathing suit from the 30s. Yes. I did see that. Yes. That was nice. Um, Thank You Thursday is for our sponsors, uh, a follow-up to a special event. Fun Friday could be anything. Tends to be kid-focused. Yep. And then the weekends reinforce special events. But overall, whatever the message is, what really drives... Facebook and to a roll on extent Twitter as well and clearly Instagram are images. Mm -hmm. Facebook, I, we get six or seven thousand likes on a Facebook post because it's a great image. Baby yes. animals being right. That was the highest that I could see. Yeah. Yes, and you have ten thousand followers right. on Facebook, which is significant. Right. So um, the. Account. I, I really have, have shifted, of course there was a time when Twitter and Facebook first came out, that I said, you know, the, the audience is so small, the system, I feel like the yeah. guy who said that, that buggy whips would last forever. Yeah. This is never going to go anywhere. Stupid me. Um, but quickly appreciated how far it does go and how effective it is, but how always on it is. Yes. Um, We've been lucky with Facebook that our reviews and our posts and our and the enthusiasm is very high. Mm -hmm. There was one disgruntled bride that keeps showing up. Yeah, I have seen her, yes. In fact, I was going to ask you if you've had any situations where there's been um, chatter associated with one of your posts that have either affected your brand or that you had to... Um, Either delete the delete your your initial post We've because been of lucky. Yeah. We actually no. Yeah. Um, so the the one the bride issue about the if music. I, if we leave it alone, it sinks. Yeah. And every now and then it will pop up again. Yeah. If you do if you do start to right, if you show up, it is it, it explodes. It gets so much worse. Yeah. So we've we've been lucky, and I 
I guess I would um, condition the lucky by the fact that we we know what we're doing and we do a really good job. Mm-hmm. And the fact that TripAdvisor is so consistently high mm-hmm. is because of the experience. I mean, we're, we're seven days a week from yeah. May 1st till the end of October. Yep. And... And the skating rink extends your season as well. So, um, so I used to just because of bandwidth think that Twitter was really perfect because you know anybody can write 140 characters pretty quickly. Yeah. But I then recognize, and this was before Twitter had the photo option, Mm -hmm. so Facebook was really better because of the photo option. Now um, Twitter has that, but I I need to rely on the rest of the departments to keep that active. Yes. Um, Our archaeologist is a very active Twitter person. And on, YouTube, and on YouTube, I noticed. There's just a new YouTube yeah. video downloaded yesterday yeah. about your yeah. archaeology. Yeah, she too. So um, our education department, some of our role players are very active on Twitter. So I, I really rely on them to do it. And um, Facebook, I mean, Instagram is also driven by members of different departments, in particular the manager of our membership. Mm-hmm. Because she does great photographs, yep. and she has an iPhone, and I don't have an iPhone. Um, and until Instagram supports other platforms, yep. or is a platform that supports other devices, mm-hmm. I can't do Instagram. I see. So I really rely on Megan, um, mm-hmm. and she does great yeah. stuff. I so. notice your Instagram posts, um, your the, the likes associated in the comments are extremely high. But also, there's not as many Instagram posts as there are Facebook posts. So you exactly. wonder what's the variable that's driving that? Is it because you're not you're not oversaturating right. your followers, or is it because of you know the great posts? Who knows? There's no way to isolate isolate that unless you truly isolate exactly. that. Because images are so subjective too, so yeah. it's really hard to. And your your posts, like what are your specific goals when you post? Are, are you? I'm sure it's specific depending on what your message is, but. I'm sure you're hoping that people share and that it it merges out into family and friends and exactly. it affects. I mean, it really most mostly <clears throat> I post to get like a share, mm-hmm. whatever, just awareness. Second to that is to drive attendance and ticket sales for mm-hmm. events. Um, there many events that are free, so I'm really trying to drive awareness and attendance. But for example, the major fundraiser is Vintage of Vine, and we're really heavily pushing ticket sales. Mm-hmm. And that, then that becomes that balancing act that I was talking about, that you know, the, the trustees run the Vintage and Vine event, and they would have loved for me to be posting three times a day on Vintage and Vine. It's yeah. like, you can't ladies, do that. Yeah. I have a museum to market here. I've yeah. got to spread it out, because if I keep beating people up about buy a ticket, buy a ticket, they're yeah. going to stop following this, yeah. which would be a disaster. It is a balance that you have to strike, yeah. So, um, I probably, I don't know as much as I should about the algorithms, um, 
but I do try to post things at times of day. And yeah, the week they say Thursday and Fridays around two to three o'clock in the afternoon are supposed to be the <laughs> most effective. Out the door. Right. Yeah. They they just come back from lunch. They don't feel like right. getting back into work, so they start looking around on their phones or their computers. <laughs> um, do you think that? Posts that are, say, targeted to a specific group, for example, say if you're targeting a post to, to someone who might be interested in archaeology versus just, you know, hey, it's a sunny day, come on down. What do you think is more effective with bringing people in? Do you think it's the just generalized post or the very targeted? What I see is that very specific posts are very effective on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alex has a wonderful following of people who are fellow archaeologists Mm -hmm. or students or that network, that world. I don't see that as much on Facebook. Facebook responds, I think, aside from the baby animal picture, the, the best hit that I got before that was just a beautiful picture of Strawberry Bank that wasn't selling anything. I don't think I even said it's a nice day. Mm -hmm. I just said, gorgeous picture, we take it for granted. Um, So we really are in awareness. We get 90,000 people a year, which is low in my opinion. Um, When I look at the Albacore Museum, as Neil Gaiman famously said, did you know you have a submarine? See, submarine, in yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have a submarine at a beach. They get 70,000 people a They year. do? Yeah. Because they're right off the highway. Yeah. They have the whole Navy yeah, connection. Yeah, the following from and the... It's, there are, I think, two or maybe three other submarines that you can tour. And yep. they all get that kind of But their operating expenses must be so low to have <laughs> 70000 But I'm sure the admission isn't $50 a family right. to get in. Right. But it's, so it's just, you know, yeah. I want all of those people. And, and Do you Jim cross Brent, market with them? Yeah. And Jim is terrific about having rat cards and mm-hmm. inviting us to events. He just did a, a Navy History Day two Saturdays ago. So yep. I sat over there all day handing out rack cards and uh, telling people about upcoming events. Do you ever do, I'm sure you're familiar with, um, both, uh, New York museums do this often, they'll, they'll actually swap Instagram accounts. Um, so one, maybe the Met will take over MoMA and vice versa. It's a fun idea. Yeah, and it brings, in, it brings in people yeah. who, are, um, who of, of course love art, um, but you're also bringing in a new group of people that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have. Yeah, Yeah. so they'll only do it for maybe one day, and they announce it several days ahead of time that they're doing that. That's fun. That's a great idea. Are there any um, museums that you're following their social media to kind of watch for ideas? Um, Yes. Colonial Williamsburg does a great job. Mm -hmm. Um, They have, either they have someone who does nothing but act as their photographer every day, all Mm -hmm. the time or they have many people doing it. Um, they really do a nice, great photographs. Yep. And fun perspectives, it's not, it's the kind of voice that I like to project. It's not formal academic. Yep. <laughs> or not too playful. Right. The, the, one of the best professional compliments I've gotten in the five years that I've been here is we had a volunteer um, working with our events manager Event, the events manager shares my the office with me, 
so Tabitha was in, and Tabitha's in her 30s, has a small child, and she was in one day, and she said, who does her Facebook posts? And I said, I do. And she, she kind of paused, and she said, I'm trying to figure out how to say this so you won't be offended, but I never expected that you, I mean, my perception of age, experience, voice, the way I talk about the museum. She said, I never thought that was you. I said, thank you. <laughs> That's terrific. That's a good compliment. You know, I'm 63 year old, old, gray hair, and have a history degree. You know, I've been doing this forever. So I was very happy to hear that. Yeah, but it's those of us who are older, because I'm in your category, that bring the experience with us. So it's not just about it's not just about creating a post that has lots of likes. There's lots of other things behind that. Right. A post that maybe attracts 300 likes might fall flat. Right. It's about message and engagement. And it's the nuance. Mm-hmm. We do have a brand reputation to support. Yeah. Something that happens might be funny to all of us, but I'm not going to put it on Facebook because yeah. I, the world doesn't need to know Right, that. yes. Or if there's something... That happens, I can't think of a good example, but I know I do this probably on a weekly basis, that it's like, okay, this is the photograph, or this is what happened, but how can I spin put it. the positive spin on it without yep. being obviously yes. positive spin? Yep. So, so I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... Um, in terms of, of looking at uh, other museums and other voices, we have worked with a guy who calls himself the um, the Historic Houses Anarchist. He has a very um, clear-eyed and scholarly, but guys, historic houses are going to die if you keep everything behind the velvet ropes and you don't talk so about transparency. The yeah. Um, so he always has interesting things to say, and at, we also cross market with the other historic houses in town mm-hmm. because there are part 10 of historic sites. New England. We. Historic New England has three houses. The Moffat Ladd House is independent. The John Paul Jones House is part of the Historical Society. The Albacore, the Gundalow, the Wentworth Coolidge House out on Little Harbor, Wentworth Gardner down here next to us. So we're all historic houses. What we find um, when I was a trustee of the Wentworth Historical Society is that People would come into that visitor center and say, I have one day, I know there are 10 houses, where should I go? Where should I start? And that they will come back and visit a different house every time. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to cross-promote and host a couple of events every year. And, you know, the ticket is good for all of the houses. Yep. And you can bring it. If you don't get to the house tonight, you can mm-hmm. come back, all that kind of stuff. I see. I know the Gardner and the MFA do that. If you buy a ticket to one, you get a discount for the others because they want to make it one yeah. whole day for the family. Exactly. Um, are there any posts that you posted that you thought, why did this get so much attention? What did I do? I mean, in a good way. Um, other than the baby animals, because it's obvious why that's popular. There was something last week. Um, 
that I thought this this must be just timing because it was it was a beautiful picture. I mean, the the, the obvious ones get posts like we have rabbits all over the mm, site. Yeah. When I post a picture of one of the wild rabbits before Easter and make some reference to the Easter Bunny, that always goes viral. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have a wild turkey. Same thing. Animals are. Yeah. Um, Hopefully coyotes not getting the hens. But um, what what I don't find is any special formula or something that really takes off. Yep. Um, I try only to post wonderful photographs, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm already editing the options myself yes. in order to figure out what works. You're tailoring your message. Yeah, but there was... Um, there are things that I post that get surprisingly low following that I think this is... You expect another great picture. Yeah. Um, and I'll get less than a thousand mm-hmm. likes to it. So And your your leadership, do they ever tell you please do a post for this or don't post this or are you pretty much Other autonomous? than the trustees wanting to hear about vintage and mine yeah. twenty four seven yeah. for the three weeks leading up to vintage yeah. and mine. And do you have periods where your social media goes dark, or do you always have... Well, you don't have an iPhone, so that's actually a good thing, because you're not so tied I'm, to I'm it. relying on Megan when she gets uh, photographs out. But I I feel guilty if I don't post to Facebook every day, including Saturday yeah. and Sunday. I see. Yep. You feel like you're not being attentive. Right. Have you ever, um, have you ever changed your course of your marketing plan because of something, a suggestion someone writes in social media, or because something was extremely popular that you didn't expect, that it drives your plan in another way? What mostly happens is that we'll come up with a new either event or the skating rink. And by the time that whatever's new happens, it's been analyzed so intensely by every member of the staff that we're still taking a risk when we started. Um, We really didn't know if people would come to baby animals. I mean, the formula was perfect. Yeah. And we did end up getting 6,000 people, which made everybody very happy. But we could have gotten 2,000 people. Yeah. It was cold. It was rainy. It's something new. You know, there, there's so many variables, and our events, you know, the, the, the downside to being a 10-acre campus and events that take place across the campus is that weather really kills us. Yeah. If, and 4th of July is a classic example. I was here during the, the, during the naturalization ceremony, right. and it was so hot. It's and the tent wasn't large enough. Hot, yeah. or it's raining, yeah. or whatever. So if that happens, we can't. Fourth of July in particular, yeah. there is no rain date for the Fourth of July. Yeah. It's the fourth. Yeah. Um, but we do constantly modify what works and what doesn't. And kind of a tangential note on on 
social media and marketing is until I'm proved wrong, having seen the evidence, I am not a fan of Groupon or Living Social or any of those deals, even the local uh, Portsmouth Herald has the limelight deals, yes. and all of them, I think they have a more curated audience. Yeah. What we have found in doing offers is, first of all, with either Living Social or Groupon, you're getting 25% of your ticket because it's a 50% off deal, and they take half of it. So they don't do anything. Yeah. We do all of the decorating and the planning. And yeah. They get They're 25% of the and they're very popular. I have never been disappointed by the number of people who buy tickets. I've been annoyed when Groupon doesn't, or Living Social doesn't turn it off when they're supposed to. We yeah. get more than we agreed to. But it's not our audience. Yeah. It's people who are driven by the price. Yes. So that, They're not, like you said, in that 150000 plus category. So for Candlelight Stroll in particular, where we get... Over the course of the first three weekends in December, we get 10,000 people, again, driven by weather. Yep. Um, what happened with Living Social for Candlelight Stroll is the few complaints we got from people about no parking on site, people who've been coming here for 10 years or more know that yeah. we don't have parking, you have to park in You're not going to build streets. a parking garage, it doesn't quite fit. Right. Because all of, because Candlelight Stroll is so um, people intensive with more role players and a horse and wagon and all that kind of stuff, they fill up our parking lot yeah. and we have to leave room for the few tour buses we get and for handicap parking. There's no parking here. So the complaints we had after Candlelight Stroll were no parking. I had to walk all over town with my children. We drove around and drove around, couldn't find a place to park, and my children were crying in the back seat. I love making children cry. <laughs> and then others who got here with their strollers expected Santa's Village and lots of lights and you know, yeah. that kind of experience. Yeah. That's so that's not the clientele, and then they kind of spread the message of their dissatisfaction, and then that has a negative overall effect. And they, they don't understand what they're buying a ticket to attend, yeah. and then they're disappointed when they didn't understand that, no, it's not colored lights yeah. and not animatronic animals. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's all price-driven, yep. and I, I mean, I... I know if there's one thing I know after however many decades in marketing, price is not what you're selling. It's the product. You have to price it appropriately. Yeah. But if you're just doing bargain basement, people don't care what the product is. Right. And Strawberry Bank is an amazing product. Yeah. They're, they're just looking for, for a deal. Right. And don't see how they, they, they can't appreciate the um, reality of what they're seeing. They just want to be entertained. Exactly. Or uh, uh, a combination between education and entertainment, but more on the entertainment right. side. Yeah, forget the education. Yeah. yeah you, I like to talk about Strawberry Bank as edutainment. Yes. Because we work very hard at making it engaging. And, yep. and the, the other favorite story is there was a woman who, to her credit, um, told us the story 
with much chagrin. Um, she, her son was in the fourth grade and was coming to Strawberry Bank, and he was all excited because he was coming on a school trail trip. And she reported, saying to him, that's too bad, I went to Strawberry Bank, it was kind of boring. He came home and said, Mom, you are so wrong. We have to go back. I had such a good time. It was awesome. Oh, we did wow. all. So it's like, yeah. and as I say, to her credit, she told us the yeah, story. Yeah, she admitted her error. But that's, you know, that's what you see. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen as many children being dragged out of here saying, well, I don't want to as being dragged in. Yeah. It's, and it's all... It's all personality and how, how much you accept, how much you want to learn, you know, what you want out of the experience. And how parents prepare. And, and yeah. my friend Kathleen Soldati, who's now at Discover Portsmouth and was the marketing director at the Music Hall, always used to talk about the anticipation, the experience, and the memory. Mm-hmm. It's three-pronged. You've got to build that anticipation. Yeah with the understanding of what you're going to get and, and being true to who you are, then you make the execution of the experience as perfect as you can, and then you try as best you can to reinforce the memory. And I think social media is terrific at reinforcing the memory and building anticipation. Yep. But and also the, last, the lasting hard. effect as well, I think social media helps. Because um, so much about museums is about you know, making sense of who you are and your past experiences and putting it into context, depending on what but you it's, see. But it's all, social media is ultimately word of mouth. Yeah. And you used to not be able to manipulate Control it, yes. Yeah. And now you can. Yeah. Are there any um, experiments that you're thinking of doing in the future with social media? Anything that you see that you'd like to try? What we're doing is... Um, we're working on a, a new long-range interpretive plan for Strawberry Bank. Um, we got a museum and library science grant to do the planning, to, to kind of write the plan. Um, and one of the things that our consultants are helping all of us as a team look at is that guest experience and, you know, where are the gaps? Where are the, the like, there there is candidly a blank space between here and when you go out into Goodwin Garden till you get over to the other street where there are more houses that you can go into. When the skating rink's here, that's right here in the middle. Yes. So that's active and there are lights and that's going on. But right now, that's a big open grass Yeah. So what we're trying an experiment with is a more emotion-based experience so that it's thematic. We're, we're not chronological. Our, our, as I said, 1695 is next to 1954. Yeah, and that complicates so, it somewhat. Yeah. So when we have more information about that emotive experience, I'll reinforce that particularly with Facebook and, and Twitter and, you know, yeah. kind of play on on emotions. I'm a great believer as a writer that the best writing has to conjure up all five senses. Mm-hmm. We don't yet, thank God, have smell-o-vision on Facebook. <laughs> yes. Or it really 
more than visual because it's mostly reading. Yes, I think one of the appeals of video is that you've got some auditory as well as reading the words. But I will support that and talk about how we incorporate social media in testing that yep, emotion tour and to have it carry over from what people see here to either to test it before they come, to decide is it worthy of my time, they come and then reinforce it after they leave. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good way of using yeah. social media. Um, and the, the other thing that we do that I, I really need to reinforce with social media happened. So we have a virtual tour um, called Listen to the Landscape. And it migrated from being a cell phone tour to being a smartphone tour. So oh, like, like beacons? Yes. GPS? Well, we, right now we have QR codes, mm-hmm. which nobody uses yeah. anymore. I mean, they do yeah. use it. But most of the people who look at Listen to the Landscape, which talks about specific gardens, trees in the Victory Garden for example we've got posters from the 40s about you know grow your own vegetables help the troops by um, conserving the resources so it's it's a um, multimedia presentation but it now also lives on our website so that you can access that tour and on your mobile phone. Of, yeah and it's a mobile site so it's morphed for computer, a laptop, as well as your device. And we just in May launched a brand new website, which is both SEO, but more importantly, mobile optimized. Yep. Um, Our old website was a disaster. Um, All of us, including me, hated it. (laughs) It was very dated and looked awful, and you couldn't find it. (laughs) So we completely redesigned it, and I I took because... There's so many things going on here that it's very hard to explain to someone, even in the parking lot, what it is you're about to experience. So instead of a static homepage, I took the the idea of icons. And so on on the homepage, you've got 12 boxes of houses, people, collections, skating, join, events, tickets, visit. All that stuff. Yeah, I so had I, I went through it with ease. It was very well organized. Yeah. So that's been since May first, mm-hmm. um, and that's how many years did it take? I know that's a big undertaking. I said I needed to do. We found a funder, and um, I managed to get a ten thousand dollar website for. I think it ended up at about six because I did all the content. Mm-hmm. So I spent the week between Christmas and New Year's editing out all of the pages that we weren't ever going to look at again yeah. to create the, the template, the, the table of contents. Mm-hmm. And then I built page by page. I, I had um, a designer for the concept and then a different company for the back end mm-hmm. and as host. And once I had the table of contents, then I just moved, created a page at a time, yep. moved and edited the copy from, from the old site into a Word document, and then into the, the new site. coding. And I think that we went from 
We started with 300 pages on the old site. The new one has just under 100. Mm -hmm. So it took me four months mm -hmm. to actually that's, do the content. That's quick, and I'm really shocked by how inexpensive it was. And, you know, what, what costs money is time. Yeah. And you made, I mean, I believe that the best website is written by the people who are on site. Yeah. You, need, you need to know what you're talking about, yeah. like any other guide. Right. So, because I know how to write a guidebook, but because mm -hmm. I also know how, what our events how are. And you know yeah. how the user is using it, what they're looking for, what, what most people need first. Exactly. And I could take old pages and update them or yeah. delete them completely. Yeah. So there was a lot of editing. I, I absolutely didn't write every word, mm -hmm. but I edited every single page mm -hmm. and created the new ones that needed to be added. So. Mm. Yeah, very well done. Mm. <laughs> so there's, there's not... I guess what I am learning still is... It's frustrating that people think they're looking at our website when they're getting Google information, and they will, t for six months last year, they said, your website says you're open 9 to 6. It's like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Google says we're open 9 to 6, and because I cannot get them to change it. Yeah, it, that's hard. I had to change something for a previous job through Google, and it was not easy. So, I'm not... I don't know and need to understand and leverage how the Facebook link to our website helps get people here. I know it's there. I don't know, well, I know from, from analytics on the, the webpage, we're not getting a lot of traffic to the website from Facebook. Yep. And there has to be a dynamic that would work there. But I, I haven't. You haven't I guess that actually, out. well, it's under you know, about. It's under about has your URL, but right. I think it's just people are people have become so good at googling and right. know exactly the minimum string they need to type in to get what they want that they don't necessarily have to go through you. I'm thinking that I've never done or thought of before this conversation. <laughs> so thank you. Is if I had some of those great photographs that link to the page, the web page, mm -hmm. that told you more about whatever it is. Because yep. I do that, I mean, all of, anytime I talk about an event, I have a link to the ticket sale URL. Page, yes. Yep. Well, it's, it's clearly no reason, particularly when it comes to role players, when it comes to gardens, yep. any of those things. That I should be putting the, yeah, you just the copy and paste the URL. The yeah, only tricky exactly. thing with it is the Facebook will pick up the most dominant photo, which isn't always the photo that you want, and you can't change it. But if I, I have found that if I, if I load the, the photograph, preload the photo, yes, and then hide the photo yes. that they come up with for the link. That yep. Yes, you can do that. Yeah, and probably your data behind your um, website, you should be able to go in and see how did they, what what way, what avenue did they reach you? Did they go through Facebook, Google? You yeah. can see, you know, geographically where they came from. So you could 
see that. I do look at um, the analytics for the website. Um, and most of it, as you say, is organic. It's either a direct link from whatever, or yeah. um, it's, it's a, a, an organic search for Strawberry Bank. Yep. Which is why we own the URLs that spell Strawberry Bank in every possible way. Oh, so nobody, <laughs> so nobody steals it from you, yeah. yeah. You can create totally separate test pages on your website that aren't really part of your website. You know, they're the same URL, but they're not under any category. And then you can see what that traffic is and see, because you know it's isolated to just one effort. So you only want to direct it one through one effort. That way you're excluding all other variables. Well, thank you very much. I so appreciate this. I learned a lot, and I'm sure my class will love listening with all of the noise in the background. Well, that's, yeah, it could be entertaining. So I give you other stuff.